Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all of the shows at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. You know, one of the cool things about this time of year is you. Because of our of our fine patrons over at patreon.com slash major spoilers, we get to do this show again in January and in February and March and April. We're going to do this all through 2021. Thanks to the support of fine people at patreon.com slash major spoilers. If you are not, and if you can afford it, because I know right now is a crazy time for a lot of people, but if you can afford a couple of bucks a month, if you find value, joy, entertainment in the things that we do here at Major Spoilers, then uh, sign up. Maybe even a buck a month. Uh, just a buck a month uh, can help us do a lot more. And you can find out more and join a growing group of awesome people over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Thank you so much, everybody. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, that was the year that was, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I ain't going to miss much about 2020, but your Major Spoilers panel has assembled from across North America to talk the good, the bad, and the fugly of pop culture in 2020, as well as what's to come in the new year. Should old acquaintance be forgot, you should try a mnemonic device like Schleicher rhymes with biker, and Steven kind of looks like Randall Tex Cobb from Raising Arizona. Now, y'all can cast the first stone if you like, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 907 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you so much for everyone uh, for sticking with us throughout 2020. Uh, I know a lot of people think that 2020 was a crap year, and it kind of was. But there were some really cool things that came out of 2020, and we're going to take a look at them later in the show as we look at our best ofs for the year. But uh, before we get to that, let us do some news, Ashley. I didn't get the usual intro. I didn't know what was happening. Wonder Woman is getting a third movie. Warner Brothers, unsurprisingly, has fast-tracked a third Wonder Woman movie on the heels of the <laughs> heels. Christmas Day released this past week. Gal Gadot will reprise her role with Patty Jenkins returning to write and direct the third and final installment of the franchise. Though we are still in a pandemic situation that seems like it will have no end, Warner Brothers has stated that the third film will have a traditional film release. I think we're all crossing our fingers for that. Wonder Woman 1984 collected $16.7 million at the box office this past weekend and HBO Max has said that over half of its subscribers watched Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day that equates to just over 6 million households which is pretty impressive if you ask me. Yeah I think the interesting thing about that is I heard that Warner Brothers was only hoping to make at the theater domestically somewhere around 10 million dollars and they made 16 million dollars uh, off the uh, the opening weekend through uh, theatrical release so they're they're happy with that but I think that that other thing is of their paid subscribers to HBO Max, AT&T and HBO Go have some other weird things with how your money gets all filtered through. Yep. Yep, but yep, yep, um, yep. six million households, that's not six million people. That's six million households at the at the major spoilers yep. HQ. We had four people watching the Wonder Woman movie so that, you know, yep. even if there's four people in those six million households, that's 24 million people that watched it. If you went with a low number of ten dollars per ticket, that's two hundred and forty million dollars on opening day. And I think that's, that's pretty fun. good. Yeah, that that is actually pretty impressive. I mean, comparatively speaking. Yeah, I mean, if we were to go to a, you know, what does all this money mean? Because that's ultimately what today, 
And this week, everyone has been nitpicking. Well, well, how much money did it actually make? It only made $60 million. Can't be that good. Um, it did $6 million more than what they thought it was going to make. And over <laughs> 6 million people, 6 million households watched it on Christmas Day. So, yeah. Well, and obviously, obviously, I think moving it to streaming is it's fairly transparently a move to ensure that HBO Max sticks around. Yes. Oh, and HBO it Max seems is like it worked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So we can all say and feel and be as catty as we want about it. It worked. Yeah, exactly. I will say that I won't. We're not going to comment on the movie. We'll talk about Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, I think it's uh, the end of the January episode of uh, the Major Spoilers podcast. But I will say we watched this on a big screen television in the Major Spoilers home theater. And it looked impressive on that big screen. So, um yeah, I, I just, I thought it visually was pretty. Yep. Speaking of things that are visually pretty, this Wednesday, the big story arc, the last remain story arc wraps up in Amazing Spider-Man number 55, and Peter Parker gets his 477th new costume. Uh, Marvel Coming has to PS5 teased. soon. Coming to PS5 soon. Uh, Marvel has teased that the new costume earlier in the week will officially debut in March. The image actually is out and about, and it's like, whoa, it totally exists, you guys. And, you know, I could show it to you, but then I'd have to kill you. Well, yeah, so they they did uh, put that out today, Matthew. So um, it's a blue and white and red and gold costume. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think of that? I'm really sort of fine with it. Spider-Man's costume is one of those things that... You can play around more with Spidey than you can with some characters, especially, you know, 70s era costumes. The Hulk is basically purple and green. Mm -hmm. He's always going to be purple and green. But I feel like the basis of Spider-Man is big eyes, funny poses, and maybe, you know, some blue or black as a solid color underneath. And you can, you can look at this and you can see moments. You can see, you know, we've seen the black and white costume from future foundation. Yeah. We've seen the venom costume. There was that time where his costume was black and gold. You can do a lot. There's a reason why the game had 45 collectible Spider-Man alts. And I don't know. I'm not necessarily sold a hundred percent on the eyes, but you know, we'll see in a year or two, whether it's remembered as a, a huge deal or whether it's just another something to download. Mm-hmm. Ashley, did you have a chance to see the, uh, the new costume? I did. I think it looks cool, you know, and that's great. Um, I think it looks a lot like the Marvel suit, which I call Iron Man Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I also think it looks a lot like he looks in the, uh, Whatever the latest Marvel's Avengers game is. Can't think of what it's called. I'm sorry. People are screaming Marvel's into their Avengers? phones right Mar- Marvel's Avengers? Uh, the one maybe. With Khan? I, I truly, I truly have no earthly idea. I don't play it. Jason does play it. I don't okay. know what it's called. Uh, but everyone in that, it's their comic suits more or less with gold highlights, right? Even mm-hmm. uh, Miss Marvel, it's that. So uh, I get that they're going with a more populist version of it. Uh, it's fine. It's cool. It's not the worst Spidey suit ever. But to be fair... I don't know if there is a worse Spidey suit ever because that Spidey suit is really well designed. I even, I even like the Spidey suit where Spidey suit ever. 
No, and, and I hope you don't say the Fantastic Four suit with the paper bag on his head. Top five no, worst Spidey one. suits ever. Coming soon to the Major Spoilers <laughs> podcast feed. <laughs> All right, also, finally. The paper bag over the head is, is a classic. Let's see. Finally Let's be today, are you one of the millions that just discovered Cobra Kai, the canonical sequel to the Karate Kid movie franchise from the 80s? Well, if you've been screaming about for 100 years, <laughs> well, oh. if you've already blown through the first two seasons on Netflix and are dying for more, the streaming service has announced that Cobra Kai season three arrives on New Year's Day instead of the previously announced January 8th, 2021. Now, this should give anyone who's sitting around doing nothing on the holiday weekend something to binge. Per Netflix's official synopsis, the 10 episode third season finds everyone reeling in the aftermath of the violent high school brawl between their dojos, which has left Miguel in a precarious condition. Uh, while Dan- Daniel searches for answers in his past and Johnny seeks redemption, uh, Kreese uh, further manipulates his vulnerable students with his own vision of dominance. The soul of the valley is at stake and the fate of every student and since I hangs in the balance. Ooh. I think that's a good idea to go ahead and drop that on New Year's Day because so many people are going to be at home. And um, probably I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of bowl games this year. I don't know if there's any bowl games this year. Um, but, well, I know that today they announced that at least one of them is entirely canceled. So. Yeah, so people are going to need something to watch, and if they are fans of Karate Kid, uh, the the Cobra Kai uh, show, which again, as Ashley said, I've been screaming about for years because it was over on uh, YouTube uh, Red or YouTube Premium uh, like four years ago, uh, and people are just now discovering now that it's on Netflix that uh, now they have something to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But YouTube Red, I mean, is that really even a thing? I don't I don't know if it still is. I know we have YouTube Premium just so I don't have to watch commercials before all of the YouTube videos that I watch. And I watch a lot of YouTube videos. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's a thing anymore. That's why uh, Cobra Kai moved over to Netflix. So anyway, dear listeners, we want you to join the conversation about uh, Wonder Woman and the third movie, the new Spider-Man costume or Cobra Kai. You can come and talk with the rest of us over in our Discord server. Yes, we do have a Discord server. There is a link in the show notes. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. Or if you have a Patreon account, you can link your Patreon account to Discord and get access to even more features. Find out more on how to do that over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. All right, you animals, uh, let us do some reviews. Let us start with uh, let's start with last week, Matthew, with King and Black. Number two from Marvel Comics. Yeah. So here's the deal. The King in Black is about Venom, or rather the god of all the Venoms, and his name is Kanal. And that is how I, I will pronounce it for the rest of my days. And if you'd like to complain, uh, you can send all of your remarks to old Pink Care of the Funny Farm, Chalfont. Now, the King in Black, the Kanal, has created all of the symbiotes ever and he's now coming to earth and he's gonna eat everybody and he's gonna kill you and eat you and as this story opens this particular issue we see eddie brock literally just get killed i mean Noel beats him within an inch of his life spider-man barely escapes and because spider-man barely escapes a bunch of avengers and x-men end up Already, they've been they've been let's call it canullified. They are turned into venoms. So Storm, <laughs> Storm, and the Fantastic Four, and Captain America, and Cyclops are now venoms, and so they are now fighting against people. Uh, they barely get Eddie Brock to uh, a, a hospital for help, and then we discover that two bad things are happening. One, Eddie Brock's son insists on seeing him, and two, Teddy Brock. Namor is involved. You know Namor. Prince Namor, the Submariner, who's recently been trying to kill everybody. 
It's Why is he killing Dylan everybody? Did, did um, Sue know. Richards? Did Sue Richards uh, push away his advances again? Actually, no. Sue is the one who invited him. Oh, <laughs> and Reed's very upset about it. She's oh. like, "We need the help. Get over it." Uh, but, I got a question about this series. Yes. Are any villains nullified? Like, does the Juggernaut get null, uh, vinify, vinified? Does there are villains? Does Green in Goblin this? get get uh, vinif- vinify, venom, venomized? Venomized. Well, Green Goblin had his own venom not long ago. I believe he actually had a carnage, and his he became the Red Goblin, and he's currently like in jail. So I think yes, but I only of the King in Black issues. This is the one I've read. Okay. So we do see the King Pig and several other uh, villains involved, but none of them are currently canalified and or venomized. But we discover an important thing: Dylan Brock, son of Eddie Brock, has the power to neutralize with his bare hands any venom type guy. So your your symbiotes, which is not really a word, uh, but your venoms, he can just go pow and they explode. So his mutant power is I explode venoms. Uh, as this issue comes to an end, we find out about that just in time for his father to die in front of him. Oh no. Uh, pr- prediction, Eddie's not actually dead. Another prediction I think that Dylan, Dylan Brock, is going to <laughs> end up venomized himself and maybe actually wearing the actual venom. But this is a huge, giant, line-wide schmageggy crossover that is focused on Venom. And your favorite character. Eh, he's not terrible. I mean, here's the thing. When it comes to your Venom, I'm better with Venom than I am with Carnage, and I'm better with Carnage than I am with Toxin or Shriek or any of the other guys. And while the idea of a god of the symbiote smacks a little bit of Jeff Johnsian, hey, what if all the colors had their own emotional spectrum? It works here. Donnie Cates actually makes it feel like it's something that expands from what we previously knew, and this is just the natural progression of things. Now, Uh, My former roommate, Otter, if you're listening, Otter, how's it going, would call this the power creep, and he ain't wrong, Um, but I would say that in terms of the power creep, it can be done well and it can be done badly. Cates writes a good story. Ryan Stegman kind of, I like his art, but it, it runs a fine line between Todd McFarlane and Carlos Pacheco. When he's more McFarlane, I like it less. When he's more Pacheco, I'm totally on board. So it really depends on how close the close-ups to the face are. All in all, though, I would say this is pretty solid. This is right down the middle of the road for me. Two and a half slices of meatloaf. Will it make me buy all of the King and Black crossovers ever? Possibly not. But it may make me buy the rest of the Spine, the the Mm, main mm -hmm. King and Black series, to see what happens to Eddie and his son Dylan. You know, Dylan Brock. Um, so, it's just fun to say Dylan Brock. So a lot of these um, crossover issues are going to have mm-hmm. venomized variant covers. That's it's pronounced venomized. So I'm going to guess that you're going to go in for all the ones that have the venomed uh, covers, right? The variants. Venom, venomized. Probably not, although it depends because, I mean, uh, I'm going to tell you a secret, a very important secret. Back in 1989. Yeah. 
I owned the very first Venom action figure, and you, you would press did. a button on its back, and it would say, I want to eat your brain. And it's sitting right there on your shelf, uh, encased in uh, carbonite, so that you can sell it for $100 million? <laughs> no, it's it's probably dead and broken. Um, because, you know. No, the, the the action figures in front of me right now are Kyber Ranger, Black Condor, and the Silver Centurion Iron Man. But I have a soft spot for Venom. I feel like that 84 Spider-Man design with the black and white is incredible, and it worked on Venom, even though I never understood the, you know, the face with the Gene Simmons tongue. But I don't hate Venom. I hate Carnage. I hate Carnage with a passion bordering on that of a fiery thousand suns, but Carnage isn't in this yet. So, yeah, you know, it's a comic, and we read it, and we enjoyed it most of the time. I have the hiccups. Two and a half slices of the old meatloaf there, Matthew. 2.5 slices de meatloaf, as they say in the French. That was out last Wednesday from Marvel Comics. Then we had a whole holiday thing go on. And uh, as I already mentioned earlier, Wonder Woman dropped on Christmas Day. Another movie dropped on Christmas Day. Ashley, share uh, share with the rest of us your thoughts on Disney Pixar's Soul. We're going to keep this as spoiler-free as possible. But here's some important context. Uh, the A lot of the creative team behind this also worked on Inside Out. Mm-hmm. You can tell. Ashley doesn't like Inside Out. Uh-oh. Aww, uh, I take a big issue with what we're trying to tell children about how you should treat sadness. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I digress. Uh, so remember when Pixar used to be like, Hey, cool toys. Hey, cool princess. Hey, cool dinosaurs. Now Pixar is uh, much more like grappling with um, moral issues and Mm -hmm. uh, purposes and the ethos of what it is to exist, which as an adult viewer of Pixar, I'm super, super into. But Soul was the first time I watched a movie and said, what child is this for? Okay, so let me just jump in <laughs> that right here. Aside. Let me just jump in right here and say, <laughs> of the two movies that we watched on Christmas Day, one of them being Soul, the nine-year-old loved this movie, and okay, the and the thirteen-year-old loved this movie. They both were like, like, "This was a good child movie." Is gonna watch this. Yeah, what no, child I, this, is, you know, and Pete Doctor, who did movie. Inside Out. Yeah, um, we took both of the boys to see that. What, four years ago, five years ago. So dial them back to one of them is being like five and another one is being uh, nine. And the youngest hated Inside Out because it did deal with how do you deal with sadness? And he couldn't cope with the sad moments. And he hated that movie. He's watched it multiple times since then and has come to grips. So maybe that's why he has a better understanding of what's going on with Soul. But yes, I don't think this is for the four and five year old uh, set, but for uh, those that have some thinking capacity. Yeah, those kids will probably dig it. Good, um, because once you get through the thought experiment of like, is this a children's movie? What is happening? <laughs> um, Soul is really beautiful. And I, I mean beautiful in all of the connotations that one can speak about a um, animated feature film. And if you haven't checked this out or you haven't, you haven't uh, dived down the rabbit holes on Twitter of animators and visual artists uh, speaking about 
how incredible Soul is. I, I really encourage that. I learned a lot about why the lighting in this movie is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is true. It's it's beautiful. And because it is beautiful, it really adds to those tinges of sadness. Like, I think the Joe character design is an all-time great character design. It is a very simple middle-aged man. Mm-hmm. But it works in the Pixar world. And Soul explores... Uh, you know, the idea of purpose and the idea of your spark as a living being on this earth and how those things can dovetail and be different. And it also examines the idea that you might not be in the place that you expect to be at a certain point in your life. And even when you're on the precipice of it, it may not give you what you're looking for. And like, these are all very complex things, oh, yeah. but it is wrapped up in the story of Joe, middle school band teacher, uh, through a series of unfortunate events, winding up in the place that you, in pre-life, in the place that you go before you're alive. And we get a sense of what souls go through before they come to Earth. And he meets uh, a wacky companion named 22, because souls, of course, uh, before life don't have names. And 22 is the oldest unborn soul and she, uh, presumably she, I'm gendering a metaphysical construct, but I'm going to say she because Tina Fey provides the voice. Um, you know, she is afraid of all of the things that Joe is afraid of, but in a different way and for different reasons. And so, as one might imagine, they have a series of wacky adventures in pre-life, and then they have a series of wacky adventures on Earth. Uh, and then they both kind of are faced with the reality of what they're grappling with and have to make decisions uh, based on that. And even though all of that sounds very, very heavy, it is, one, adorable. And then the way pre-life is presented is very intelligent oh because... We're also dealing with the idea of like this is presented as a construct that you can understand. Mm-hmm. And we know Pixar movies as being these really beautiful 3D rendered fantasy fairy tales. And we're dealing with 2D animation. And yeah. what does that mean? And how can you play with a character who only exists in two dimensions or maybe four dimensions that you just can't comprehend? And how do they exist when they play in the real world? And how do they capture you? And how do they teach you things? And uh, the cast of these pre life constructs, you got. West Studi, uh, it's it's like a murderer's row of a uh, Ioti. I think I said his name wrong. I'm so sorry. Uh, of like incredible character actors that you've heard in a million things, all here presenting you with this big question that is also wrapped up with the soul of a human person embodying a cat. So I, I'm trying not to spoil it too much, but I I really can't encourage people enough to check out soul because it's it's beautiful narratively and with what it's trying to tackle and trying to explore and the way that it tries to break it down uh for not only the adults in the room but as Stephen said 13 year olds nine year olds five years old might be a little too sad for um it's really it's really something i wish this movie had gotten a theatrical release because i think it deserved it uh this will win best animated feature i have no doubt yeah if it doesn't wow the music's great yeah. So, I mean, I have like no complaints about it. Uh, there are a couple beats that I thought were silly. And then those were the parts where I, I took my uh, brain away from my head and said, this is a kid's movie. Yeah. The Picasso Jerry. It could be a little convenient. That's fine. Yeah. The Picasso Jerry's were great in this. Uh, this so is one cool. that so as I'm cool. I am watching this, too, like you, Ashley, going, oh, my gosh, are my kids going to get get this? And I'm glad they liked it. 
Mm -hmm. um, because even if they didn't like understand it the way like you and I would understand, like that's fine too. But I'm glad that they took something away from it. I mean, just the philosophy that is dropped on you just like midstream, right? It's like, oh, here's oh, here's yeah. 10 tons of, of, of a philosophy of what it means to be alive and what is life and what is the meaning of life. Here, uh, deal with this as you're running around New York City discovering pizza for the first time. Is just, I really think that if you watch Soul and you're like, this is a good movie, I really think it it needs to be watched multiple times just so you can really kind of grasp the nuance that they're talking about when they're talking about what does it mean to have a purpose and what is the purpose of life and you know, 22 has had all these other mentors throughout history. And yeah. what are the things that they have said to 22? How does that impact her mindset and how are adults? How do they what you say as an adult? How does that impact, you know, young minds and an innocent person? Yeah. Yeah. It's just so it's so good. And you're right. It is deep and philosophical. And I know that, you know, Ashley, you said that there's a lot of people on Twitter and on other places going into deep holes about, you know, the 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 artistry that is made into yeah. this movie. There's also if you if you you don't have to poke very far, uh, you'll find a lot of controversy about this film as well. Uh, yes, and I wh- saw those before I saw the movie. Yeah, so did I. And, but but here's the thing. Which are worth absolutely worth engaging with. And, and you can make up yes. your own decision about it based on your experiences. Absolutely. Yes. And, and Peter Doctor did or Pete Doctor did address this. And he said, we were very concerned about about Mm -hmm. these issues that people are bringing up. And that's why we created this Pixar Trust, which is an internal group of uh, people of color who actively participate in the making of this film to make sure that the issues concerning the black experience are addressed in an appropriate way. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, they have an external group of consultants. I was surprised just going through the credits going, oh, my gosh, here's this cultural uh, and uh, historical uh, mm-hmm. uh, group, and then they had the other group of people, and it's just like, wow, look at they really must have gone to town to make sure that not only is this accurate from the philosophical side, but also accurate as best as it can be from this other point of view. And, and honestly, like one of my favorite scenes, and you had take this with a great assault. I'm a white lady. Um, is the barbershop scene? Yes, uh-huh. starring future Disney superstar Debbie Dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that you're right. You're absolutely right, and I. I, you know, I, I hope that people understand that this brain trust that the, that Pixar gathered, which you don't see brain trusts uh, on any other movie except for maybe Inside Out uh, of people. Yeah. I mean, this is this is nothing short of what you see on the credits of PBS. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at Daniel Tiger and you look at all these doctors and philosophers and people that deal with uh, developing minds listed in the credits, it's because they want to make sure that they're creating something that is going to work for that young group. And I think that that's and again, I'm a white guy. Uh, from my perspective, Pixar did everything they could to try to uh, address these issues that people might have concern about because Pete Doctor, also a white guy. So there yeah. you go. Tina Fey, a white lady. Uh, Jamie Foxx, great performance, though, I thought. Uh, what a, Honestly, like uh, when Jamie Foxx is good, Jamie Foxx is really good. And I would put this up there with like Ray or Collateral mm-hmm. as one of his best performances. I thought he was really, really good here. Uh, like I liked this movie a lot. I, I really thought, you know, the uh, the barbershop guy is fantastic. His mother was fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. The the lead of the um, of the quint, uh, quartet. Oh, uh, played by. Angela Bassett, oh, Les Panther's so, mom. So good. They were just so good, top to bottom in this. Uh, Ashley, what's your final th- ruling on this? I mean, 
as with all great Pixar movies, I can't respectfully give this less than a five out of five. And I would also encourage people to check out Burrow, which is available streaming yes. on Disney Plus, which was the short that was uh, supposed to be packaged with it theatrically. Very different. It's 2D, uh, more traditional animation style, uh, but absolutely worth the watch. Very cute. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very nice. And it's another one that deals with issues of how do you ask for help without being, you know, with uh, fear of a being burden. ridiculed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, uh, I'm going to wrap everything up with a comic that is out today, Wednesday, depending on when you're listening to this. Hello, future people. It is a Marvel comic from IDW Publishing. Wait, what? Marvel Action Avengers number 12. I will say this again and again and again. IDW is knocking it out of the park with their Marvel action series. If, If you are a parent, and we do get these quite a bit saying, hey, what's a comic book that I can give to my kid? Well, if you've got someone that is, you know, below the age of 12... Uh, the Marvel action series, I think, is fantastic, whether you're doing Spider-Man or Captain Marvel or, the, in this case, the Avengers number 12, which wraps up a story arc where the Avengers take on AIM. Um, I think they they do a great job in the art department. I think they do a great job in the storytelling. And uh, this one is just a fantastic read. So, again, uh, this is the final part of this story arc where uh, the Avengers have been working against AIM or fighting AIM. And uh, somehow, and I don't know the whole story because I didn't read the previous issues, but somehow all of this is taking place inside of Steve Rogers' brain, inside Captain America's brain, and all of the Marvel Avengers have been aimified. So uh, what does AIM stand for, Matthew? Advanced Intelligence? Advanced Idea Mechanics. Oh, yeah. Advanced Idea Mechanics. So you have Advanced Idea Hulk, Advanced Idea Captain Marvel, Advanced Idea Wasp. And of course, instead of being green, they're all yellow. Uh, you know, for for the Hulk and they're all running around. There's advanced uh, idea uh, uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, so let's see uh, uh, Jason do do that uh, character in the future, Ashley. I'm sure he would love to. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they're really trying to get down to the bottom of this and try to fight off their fellow Avengers while, while fighting AIM. And then we find out who the real big bad is and then how Steve Rogers defeats them. And it's just it's super well done. I was going to share a panel, but I was like, oh, no, if I share this panel, that actually does spoil the entire issue. So I'm not going to do that online. But uh, if you're looking for, I would say, fun uh, Marvel comics, the place you need to turn to is over at ITW Publishing. Uh, you know, and I'm not trying to put down what's going on in King and Black or with things that Marvel are doing. But for an all ages title, Marvel Action Series is is great. And I'm going to give Marvel Action Avengers number 12 four and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Definitely something to pick up. And I every every time one of these come across my plate, well, it's a lot of slices of meatloaf, especially post holiday. Um, (laughs) uh, Every time one of these comes across the plate at at major spoilers, I will flip through it just to see what's going on and what kind of stories they're telling. And it's it's good stuff. Now, granted, it's not going to be, you know, oh, my best friend's addicted to heroin. What am I going to do? Kind of stories. But for the younger readers, I think this is this is definitely something to that you as a parent would feel comfortable uh, pulling up and uh, giving to them or just picking it up for yourself. If you think that the current uh, Marvel or DC or any other universes uh, comics are getting a little bit too adult and and uh, gritty and grim Marvel uh, Marvel action. That's the place to go. Read some comics, yo. That's right. And if you want to read more reviews of comics, head over to Majorspoilers.com where we've got reviews going up almost every day of the week except for holidays. So you want to go uh, head over there. I think we've got uh, uh, up today. We had Batman Superman number 15, King and Black number uh, two that Matthew just reviewed. We also had King Size Conan from uh, Christopher wrote that uh, review as well as the Maestro number four review uh, up there at the site. And then there'll be some more uh, throughout this week. But you want to go over to Majorspoilers.com for more 
reviews. Revoirs. Revoirs. And if you want to hear what we uh, did for our holidays, let me point you to the Major Spoilers <laughs> pre-show. We talk all about the uh, the things that Matthew did to his daughter's hair. We That's talked true. about We talked about uh, don't buy uh, expensive cheap stuff online. And uh, we talked about what we did for the holidays. So you can find that all over at the Major Spoilers pre-show. Where can you find that? Well, you can point your browser to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Look into what we're doing over there. If you enjoy this show, if you get a little value out of what we do, uh, you know, a little a uh, couple of bucks a month will help us out. Maybe at the, 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 the right level, at the silver level and higher, you can get access to the Major Spoilers pre-show where we talk about all those things and more. Uh, Ashley, are you going to do anything for the big New Year's Eve? Are you doing anything that evening? Uh, being respectfully socially distanced <laughs> and not touching anyone else. There you go. Well, not touching anyone else. That's pretty much, I got, I got to tell you, what was the movie that I watched? Oh, it was Wonder Woman 1984. And, uh, the crowd scenes give you like low grade anxiety. The, the, yes, yes. The crowd scenes. I Every was like, time. all you people are too close to one another. What is going on here? So, um, yeah, so that was, that was a little weird. Um, uh, so yes, like, not put touching on a people. mask, Kristen Cheetah. What, what about you, Matthew? You doing anything for the new year's? Uh, well, I'm going to be old, and uh, we, I know we're making homemade pizza New Year's Eve. Yeah, I get that oven nice and, and hot. And then for New Year's Day, I'm probably just going to sit here. I might eat some chocolate. We'll That's see. the way to do it. That's the way to do it. The boys. But what have... I'm going to do is I'm going to wear like a nerd t-shirt and no socks and just sort of flop around the house. And The boys like have said that they're going to stay to midnight. Costner thing? I don't know. Oh, speaking Kevin of, did you, did you and Jason ever watch that new... Um, Kevin Costner movie that we were talking about last week. Oh no, we just watched. Uh, what did we just watch? We just finished the baseball trilogy. So tonight, okay. when I'm done here, it's 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 uh, boogies with coyotes. When we're done. Oh yeah, nice. So, uh, we're, we're making slow progress on Costner Christmas. Yeah, notice, Christmas uh, is a season. So I, I will I will point I've out to you as you to, as you uh, watch out to that wolves movie. Uh, they do leave Fort Hayes, but I guarantee you that was not shot at Hayes. Uh, yes. I'm just excited for like. Uh, primo sexy West Studi in that because he gonna be young oh, yeah, and go. that, handsome. That's right. That's right. That's I right. love him so when much. Do you get to, uh, when do you get to Waterworld? Um, you know, I've listened to Scott Johnson talk about his love of Waterworld, and I feel like that might be enough. Also, shout out to Greg, my former stage combat teacher, who is one of the performers in that show, and that's the only thing about it that people like. H- have you ever you know, gone to uh, to the Universal and seen the uh, the Waterworld Water Show? I've never SeaWorld? been universal, though never not once. Oh, okay. All right. I was going to say, maybe if you've seen the water <laughs> show, maybe that's all you need to see. It is one of those things where, having, having survived, uh, well, I say survived, I'm assuming I will survive this pandemic, um, you go, maybe I should go see that. Maybe I should go to the game. I don't even, maybe I don't I even know if they do it. Catalina Island. <laughs> so, you know, Ashley, I, you know, I know people are like, would you guys just get on with the best of 2020? Here's the thing. I Too admire, I, I know you and Jason live in California. Yeah, yeah, But I admire that you two go out and do so many things because I only lived in California for a couple of years, for like two years. And I regret not going out and doing more, like going to the Getty. It's like I drove by it multiple times. I was like, you know, I should just go up there and and uh, and check it out. Um, the one time that I did anything was when I drove out to Pasadena to the uh, to the Doc Brown house and mm-hmm. uh went around there got there too late when it was closed but i ran around on the yard and, and uh, over by the garage and stuff but uh yeah i mean when the pandemic is over and it's cool for people to go out and do stuff man take advantage of all the stuff that's around you yeah because look even if you don't live in one of the uh uh 
current Kibbutz Hatzvats and one of the largest metropolises in the world, there's all kinds of incredible things to do. And I encourage people to check out Lonely Planet and Atmos Obscura. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can sponsor us at any time for great local things that may have slipped by you because that's the best way to travel, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Now, yep. you know, we have been talking for months now about how awful 2020 is and how it just seems like it has gone on forever and ever and ever. And you you know what? We still have a couple of more days left before this year is over. But still, I think we have been able to find some really good stuff that came out and that uh, crossed our paths in 2020. And as mm-hmm. I was reviewing, like, just the movies from 2020 and the TV shows from 2020, there was a plethora of really good stuff that came out that, you know, either have is direct to video now or, you know, came out, um, uh, premiered on video like Wonder Woman 1984 and Soul. But, uh, man, there's so much good stuff. And I thought we would take a little bit of time here and talk about a couple of the the things that we thought our own personal best of 2020. I think... Uh, th- there's a difference. I think Matthew was asking uh, today. You were asking about your um, the best superhero over on the major mm-hmm. spoilers question of the day. But you started out by someone saying, "What is your favorite superhero?" And I think saying something is your favorite versus what is the best is actually yes! kind of two different questions. Preach. So um, when we say best of 2020, these are our personal choices of 2020. These are not the absolute best. Because if someone were to say, "Well, who is the best superhero?" Obviously, the answer is Superman. If you were to ask. Who is your favorite superhero? The answer, obviously, of course, is Atomic Robo, right? So those two See, are a little would, bit different. I would say maybe Green Hornet. But... Maybe Green Hornet as, as a favorite, yeah. I can't believe you didn't. I was fully here like, yes, yeah, Stephen Tim Drake. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of something that would be uh, not so controversial. But yes, so as we go through our best of 2020s, keep in mind, these are the things that, that we were exposed to um, and the things that came across our plate and what we deemed as something that is worthy to say this is the best of 2020 so we've got three categories actually i've got like five categories we could do bonus episode just on on all my bonus stuff that i have here but if you're subscribed to the major spoilers podcast feed you can check out geek history lesson where jason and i did a full hour on this yes and it was a very good episode in fact uh, jason and i share a comic best on our list so why don't we start with comics since that's what major spoilers is all about matthew what do you have as one of your bests of 2020 now, we're not going to rank. These aren't ranked. These are just, what are your no. bests of 2020? As I always say, it's a collection, not a ranking. Uh, hashtag 10 things. Hashtag nerdery. TM. Uh, one of my best, and you're going to say to me, how can this be a bear is driving? You do not like this character. One of my best of 2020 is The Green Lantern Season 2. Mm-hmm. Yes! Uh, the majority of which came out in 2020. I believe the first episode may have come out in, in 2019. And of course the previous season of green lantern, the green lantern came out in a previous uh, year, but I really appreciate a line in the, in the latest issue of the green lantern that really sells to me what I love about this book. One of the support, supporting Green Lanterns has been off doing her own thing. She's had her own mission. And it dovetails in with what Hal Jordan has been doing. And he's like, I really like the fact that you go off and do your own thing. And she says to him, yes, I'm not just a supporting player in your awesome <laughs> life. And I'm like, yes, you tell him. But the fact that the supporting cast of the Green Lantern season one and season two includes 
the United Planet Superwatch, which is entirely made up of one-shot Superman gimmick characters from the Silver Age, like Halk Carr, who uh, was the prototype for Monel, or Lumilani Superwoman, or Strong Girl, who appeared in one panel of one issue of Green Lantern in 1961. And it's made all of these super obscure one-shot characters into legitimate galactic level protectors of the universe and killed them off and made me care. They killed Rigor. Rigor is known for two things. One, he was drawn by Wayne Boring, so he has a chest like a battleship. And two, his name is Roger spelled backwards. That is literally all anyone knows about Rigor. And by anyone, I mean me, because there's no one else in the world except for Grant Morrison, the writer of this book, who remembers Rigor. But Mm -hmm. it's a perfect synthesis of the new and the old and the weird. And it feels epic and galactic and worthy of Green Lantern. And you even like Hal Jordan. Yeah. Uh, One of the ones of my favorites of 2020, and this is the one that I know that I share with Jason, who I also think he put uh, Green Lantern season two on there. Um, Superman smashes the clan by Gene uh, Yang and, uh, what is it? Guri Huri? Guri Hiru? Your guess is is as good as mine. (laughs) Guri Hiru. Oh my gosh. This is so good. You guys, if, if you, so if you are someone who has been following major spoilers for a long time, you know, I do a show, uh, live on Fridays called finally Friday. And I don't remember if I was doing this in 2019 around the time that this was announced or when the book, uh, was just about to be released in 2020. But I started running prior to uh, the actual Finally Friday uh, cast uh, for about 10 or 15 minutes. I would run Superman uh, and the Clan of the Fiery Cross, which is what uh, this is based on. And this adaptation is very faithful to the original. Now, they had to remove some of the uh, problematic stuff like the young um, baseball boy. Um, you know, his father is part of the of the uh, of the Fiery Cross in this in this comic or in this case, it's the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, mm-hmm. They added the little girl and they removed um, they removed Perry White's Filipino um, uh, houseboy uh, from from the comic book, which was probably no a good kidding. idea. Uh, but if you have if you if anybody hasn't, you can go and easily find on the um, what is it called? The Adventures. What is it? The Internet Archive. Uh, you can go and find the complete run of uh, Superman. And the uh, Clan of the Fiery Cross. And you can listen to that, but really go and read this book. This is all about Superman in the 1940s and early 1950s uh, dealing with racism in America and the Klan trying to uh, push people out. And uh, how Superman, and not only just Superman, but the people in the community basically stand up and they tell the Klan, we don't want you here. There's a great part that I was hoping that they were going to include in this book where the main leader of the clan, the Grand Dragon, um, gets a visit from the guy that's getting in trouble with Superman and the rest of the community. And he's like, why did you bring Superman into this? Did you know that we are uh, that we are in the middle of a basically a pledge drive, a, a recruitment drive? And for every person who signs up, they pay twenty five dollars for a hood and one hundred dollars for a robe and one hundred dollars for this. This was our big money making gimmick. And so both in the radio drama and in this book, they basically just say they're duping you just so they can make money. And that's the only reason why these hate groups exist is to part, you know, the fools with their money and to promote hate. And this this was really such a good book that it had to go on one of my best of 2020s list. This is Superman Smashes the Klan from DC Comics. Ashley, what's one of the books on your best of 2020 list? 
I mean, I don't know if it's a conflict of interest for me to say Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio, oh, which just went up on jasonimmon.com so. slash store for a signed version of it. Uh, but <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, maybe one of the smartest comics I've ever read that finished up this year and came out in trade paperback. And I believe the second volume just started publishing singles. Uh, and that is Mark Russell's second coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, the book that Vertigo was too afraid to publish. So Ahoy, which I think is doing really exciting things right now mm-hmm. for indie books. Um, picked up. It's basically what if Jesus came back to Earth and became Superman's roommate, and Superman wasn't that good, and people weren't that good. Um, I I love this book. I think it is so smart. I think it very respectfully deals with the subject matter, and I think that when you read this, you can tell that this is something that has been percolating for a long, long time. Everything about it is so good, yeah. and I'm dying for Volume Two yeah. to wrap up and be in this world. Yep. Uh, Second Coming is the best comic I read this year, like yep. hands down. What, what's another one that's on your best list, Ashley? Uh, I also have Black Magic because Black Magic is uh, that's Greg Rucka, Nicholas Scott, which uh, I am now a proud owner of a page from. Nice. Volume 3 came out this year and wrapped up. It is continuing the adventures of Rowan Black, which slash local detective. Uh, this volume, if you've been playing along, is my favorite image comic, and this blows the world open in a big way. Uh, volume 1 and Volume 2 were very closed um, and tied into Rowan's personal story, and you get to see some ramifications of her magic and the way that magic and witches operate in this world. It's so good. I want it to be a TV show. I want to be in the TV show. Uh I love black. I love everything Black Magic does. So I was so hyped to get another volume this year. <laughs> another one on my list is Pulp from Ed Brubaker and not Sean Phillips, but his son Jacob Phillips. This is from Image Comics. Now we did a lot of Ed Brubaker stuff this year. We did uh, the Fade Out. We also did a bunch of the criminal stuff. Pulp is in that same vein as far as violence goes, but this is the story of an old pulp writer in the 1920s and 30s who's trying to make a buck and. Um, In one of his final stories, he is or the stories that he's telling that he's selling to these pulp uh, um, companies about are about this Western um, cowboy guy who gets wrapped up in a lot of crime um, instruments. And of course, he comes out as the hero. But what this really is, is we find out that it is the author telling tales from when he was actually a young essentially thief in the old West and how he's turned these tales around to make himself out the hero, but he's not able to make ends meet. So he actually decides he's going to go rob a, uh, an armored truck and he gets caught before he's able to commit the act. And the person who catches him has been a, uh, essentially a Pinkerton that's been following him around since his, his uh, younger days. And the two of them decide that they're going to go in together to, uh, rob the armored truck. And it's very, very good. I would really like to see this get an adaptation and get the story expanded upon more than just the one uh, graphic novel that we got out of this. I think that there's a bigger story to be told in here. I think that there's some great uh, acting uh, actors that could play these parts and some great moments that can be expanded upon from the comic book. But I just fell in love with Pulp uh, the minute that it dropped. Definitely one of the best of 2020 for me. Matthew, you got another one? I do. Uh, It is the second half uh, after a slight break of another image book. Uh, And now that Sex Criminals is over, probably my favorite image book may be fighting with uh, Commanders in Crisis, which is right in my sweet spot. But it is a book that I'm very uncomfortable with, and I can't read it without discomfort and forcing me to think about myself and the story and the things that it's showing me. And that is Ice Cream Man. Uh, from image it is 
an existential horror comic, but it's also got so much humanity and so much heart. And it's great because the book is about a main character who literally doesn't have a heart and is not human. But uh, issue 18, which came out in February, is a story that has a young man in it whose father has Alzheimer's. And we see from the father's perspective this metaphysical, metatextual I guess you'd call it, I don't even know, like an imp or a monster or a demon stealing things, stealing memories, words, thoughts from him as you go. And it's, it's just horrifying. It's touching and it's sweet and it is just chilling. And I cannot stand to read it. And yet I have to read it. And of course, when, you know, the industry had their major league shutdown from like February to June because of the COVID crisis in 2020, Ice Cream Man was still publishing online, and they mm-hmm. collected it as Quarantine Comics. And I swear to you, Quarantine Comics is one of the few things, uh, pop culture, that addressed what had happened in a way that felt both, you know, storyline-wise satisfying, but also satisfying in the real world as we're living through or, you know, living past these events it's one of the few times that I've seen something that was about this pandemic and about the year 2020 that I went, yes, I feel this. I associate with this. This is good. This doesn't necessarily make me feel better, but it also, it, it makes me feel something and that's better than nothing. And I'm telling you, if you read an issue of ice cream, man, and you manage to, you know, sit down and just digest it, you won't be the same. There's a, it came out in 2019. There's an issue of the book that is literally a palindrome. Mm-hmm. It reads the same front to back, but it also works as a story that is a palindrome. That, that, I mean, that's like, that's wizardry. That's voodoo. I cannot fathom what these creators went through, make that work. And just the fact that they tried it is just an epic win for me. But the fact that they pulled it off and made it work, that's good comics. Yeah. And it creeps me out. <laughs> do you have a do you have a third favorite from our third best of 2020? Probably the recent arc of Immortal Hulk, which has mm-hmm. been top-notch from the beginning. But Immortal Hulk is now getting super, super into uh, comic book disassociative identity disorder, where Bruce Banner... Joe Fixit, the Hulk, uh, the Planet Breaker Hulk, the Devil Hulk, the other Hulk are all trying to coexist in a body which is not all there. And it's all weird existential body horror, crazy stuff. But it's also just about a man trying to come to terms with the voices in his head. And it's totally weird because at one point you see Joe Fixit fighting the thing in Bruce Banner's body. And the thing strikes, hits him, shatters his arms. And Joe's like, geez, what are you doing? And the thing's like, oh, my God, sorry. And he's like, no, you can't really actually hurt me. And it's this weird, creepy scene where he, like, grows his arms back. And oh, just, yeah. Ah, ah, ah. 
horrifying. Don't uh, uh, creepy, 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 but so good and yeah. so well written. I, I was looking on some of the trade paperbacks. We've already programmed all of next year as far as trade paperbacks go, because I know that mm-hmm. I want to do the Immortal Hulk. We're not doing it yeah. in 2021, but just because I've had so much free time on my hands, I've actually got most of 2022 <laughs> programmed. So we're going to do yeah. um, Immortal Hulk in 2022. So we've got that. Throw in, that to look forward. Throw in some good. ice cream, man, because I want to hear Ashley scream. All right, As I'm, we eat ice cream, man. Uh, I let's sick see. This week, let's... I don't like dead dad stories. <laughs> I'll do uh, ice cream well, man no, in June of 2022. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do I have for another one? Oh, here's another one that has uh, uh, slid across my plate in October. For some reason, I thought it was coming out uh, later than that, but I, um, but uh, it's Dracula I- Mother Effer by Alex DeCampi <laughs> and Erica Henderson. <laughs> this is from also from Image Comics. Dracula Mother Effer. And uh, this is what if the movie Nightcrawler met the brides of uh, Dracula or, yeah, the brides of of, uh, Dracula, and they did it in a 70s grindhouse film. This is a story about revenge. This is a story about power. This is a story about who has perceived power as uh, as the brides and uh, the uh, Harker character, who is a. Um, basically he's a crime scene photographer in the 1970s and they are, well, actually it's a combination of two of the characters from the Dracula novel, uh, Harker. And what's the other one that was uh, running around? Um, I forget what the character's first name is in the, uh, no, No, I forget what it is, but, uh, so they do a gender swap in here, uh, where Harker is this, uh, black, uh, photographer who goes and, uh, photographs crime scenes for tabloid magazines, uh, lots of dead bodies. And he stumbles across, uh, this vampire cult that is uh, taken root in Los Angeles, 1974. And then he, uh, becomes, you know, basically enthralled with, uh, three of these, uh, I will, I'll just call them the brides of, of, uh, Dracula and how they are trying to take Dracula down and try to take down all the other cults and covens and how they're trying to still, uh, maintain power throughout the entire thing. It is crazy as F I will say this because, uh, the color scheme in this is bright and garish. It is like a weird 1970s uh, uh, black light painting in what Erica Henderson is doing with the art. And it's so beautiful and it's so over the top and it's so bloody and violent. And it's just it is a telling of the Dracula tale, unlike anything you've probably read before. And it is really, really good. And if you haven't had a chance to go check it out, it's available on Comixology. In fact, I'm pretty sure all the books we're talking about uh, today are on uh, Comixology. And if you click on the uh, affiliate link over there at Majorspoilers.com, a little bit of money comes back our way. Not a whole lot. I think it's like less than less than a penny per $10 spent or something like that. Um, but Dracula Mother Effer is a great, great book that you're going to have to read a couple of times just because the imagery is so fantastic. But uh, it's definitely one of my top three uh, best of uh, 2020. Ashley, do you have another, nice. do you have a third one? Yeah. Speaking of a Dracula, uh, a book that I didn't think I was going to be into, but I kept seeing on a bunch of lists. So I eventually checked out was Philadelphia, which mm-hmm. came wrapped up this year. And I believe volume two either just started or is on its way. Um, what if vampires in Philadelphia and uh, a local policeman who is also black becomes embroiled in all of this. It's so good. Uh, it's so beautiful. I love vampires because I was once a teenage girl and <laughs> I, every time I think the trope is tired and it's finally worn its way out, something new and exciting happens. And that is everything from what we do in the shadows, 
uh, to Philadelphia. I can't recommend it enough. And particularly given the events of 2020, I think people find it very poignant from both a social and a pandemic perspective. Uh, it is cool AF and I can't wait for more volumes to come out. A lot of cool comics started this year, kids. Yeah. A lot. Uh, a couple more on my also rands. I had Firepower from Robert Kirkman and yes. uh, Chris Samney and Matthew Wilson and Russ Wooton over at Skybound. And also, I was really taken by, I, I did a lot of thinking after Matthew and I reviewed it on the Dueling Review podcast, but the other history of the DC Universe, Black Lightning, um, mm-hmm. really was a solid take on looking at the world from a different perspective. And yeah. I, I still have to put that on my, uh, on, you know, a part of those best of 2020s. So Yeah, that was a very, very good book. Yeah. Uh, let's take a jump over into television really quick. And uh, Ashley, I'm very interested to find out what one of your best television shows of 2020 was. Uh, so my number one best television show uh, is the final season of Schitt's Creek. Mm. Uh, good Canadian content. I watched the entire show in quarantine and everyone who had spent all this time saying you have to watch it uh, was correct. It's mm-hmm. amazing. I love it. I want to marry Dan Levy. I don't think he wants to marry me back. Uh, I, I, I can't recommend checking it out enough. And now that it's wrapped up, you have six seasons of uh, beautiful CanCon to check out. So Schitt's Creek is like my absolute favorite thing I've seen this year. And I think the first year that I've put a comedy uh, as my choice on the on the Geek History Lesson podcast. Ah, okay. Wow. Here's, here's one from Apple Plus that I just simply adored. Uh, and it really took me by surprise because when I... Kind of like, uh, what's that uh, TV show, Matthew, that you love that uh, I was like, hey, is this the gimmick uh, going into the end of episode one? And you're like, yep, that's pretty much it. And I was like, okay, I'm out. Um, Ted Lasso on Apple Plus is one that I was just like, oh, this is just Major League. And it is, but then it isn't. Uh, Ted Lasso is the story about a um, college football coach who gets identified uh, by a soccer team in England and they hire him to be their head coach soccer slash football coach for those of you that want to be football because and here's the deal they want to run the soccer team into the ground thinking that this guy is a complete doofus and won't be able to do it he's got the old country um, um, attitude I think he was coaching either at Oklahoma or Kansas University and um, and so they hire him and he comes in with this you know happy-go-lucky attitude he's got a very positive attitude about everything even though he doesn't really know anything about soccer this is a show with heart. It is so, so good. And if you haven't, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso on Apple Plus, use that 30-day free trial that you get and just blow through Ted Lasso in a weekend. I can't wait for season two. In fact, even before season two started filming, they went ahead and greenlit season three based on all of the positive responses from the season one of Ted Lasso. So go and check that out. Matthew, what's one of your best TV shows of 2020? Uh, the one you were just mocking. Uh, the good place. Yeah, the good place. Four. Yeah, the final season of the good place. Uh, at least the second half of it dropped in 2020, and I got to tell you, I didn't think they could pull it off. I didn't think they could do it because the good place has at the beginning of season one a very specific hook that Stephen saw coming, and then season two, it turns out not the hook and then season three it turns out that that was not the point at all and all of the you know incidental moments where they're learning philosophy and learning you know questions of of existentialism and morality are the point Mm -hmm. season four comes around and it's literally the forces of the universe judging whether or not the earth should continue to exist and whether you know the h word and the other h word were ever 
worthy and right and correct and trying to create a new framework for existence. And I'm like, well, there's no way they can pull this off. And they did. And they get to the last episode. And I'm like, well, there's no way that they can give everyone the closing that they deserve. And they did. And every one of the characters gets a very personal thing, a very specific moment where they have to come to terms with who they are and who they want to be. All right. So the girl who's always been a vapid idiot has to learn a bunch of things. Yeah. It's amazing. Cool. Uh, we're running short on time, so let's uh, kind of quickly uh, go through the rest of our uh, TV shows that you may have. Matthew, what, what's another one on your list? Uh, the Mandalorian Season 2. That's what I have as I my number two really is Mandalorian. I just thought that this was a great show. Got a couple of issues with it, a bunch of nitpicks with it, but uh, still I thought it was a really solid show. Yep, very good stuff. Yeah. Ashley, what do you have for you for like a second one on your list? Uh, Star Trek Lower Deck Season 1. What What's great about it? <laughs> it's the best new Star Trek we've had. Oh, okay. Wow. Point okay. blank period. Oh, wow. I, I will That's... die on that hill. Uh, no disrespect to the other shows, but it's the, it's the best of the new track. It's the best of the current bunch. I All love right. it. It's so funny. Do you have one more? Uh, oh, uh, Yellowstone season three, because in keeping with our Coster theme, we started watching Yellowstone because now it's on the Peacock and uh, boy, Wes Bentley is handsome. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> Jason mentioned one that I'm going to, we'll talk about after the show that I really want to go track down. Um, sure. But it's about, a, it's about a certain car. So. Uh, mm -hmm. the other one on my list, one of my, probably my favorite show of 2020 is Lovecraft country based on this book by the same title by Matt Ruff. Uh, this is the tale of, um, you know, <laughs> you think the cosmic horror that Lovecraft, uh, creates is, is scary stuff, but that's nothing compared to the racism and hatred that black people have to deal with in Jim Crow country. And, uh, so when we have our black cast dealing with Lovecraftian horror, it's basically just more crap that they have to deal with in the 1950s. And I thought that the show did a phenomenal job in uh, bringing the book to life and even going beyond what was in the book and, and uh, refining and tightening and uh, really bringing it all together. Lovecraft Country from HBO. What a great show for 2020. Matthew, you got one more? No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, also on my list, Queen's Gambit from Netflix and yes. Devs and Devs from Hulu. If you want to mind another one that's a mind trip, Go check out Devs over at Hulu. And then tell me the, that I'm dreaming wrong, Matthew. All right, you let's wrap wrong. up our final category with movies. And Matthew, do you have a best movie of 2020? I do. And it's one of the few movies that I actually saw in 2020. It is called Palm Springs. Oh, yeah. I want to see this one. Yeah, it's got Andy Samberg and the mother from How I Met Your Mother. And it's got elements of Groundhog Day in the endless loop. But it's also got... Something really strange going on. It's got heart and it's got, uh, oh, and it's got, uh, you know, Commissioner Gordon and or J. Jonah Jameson running around with a crossbow and shooting Andy Samberg. And if you've ever wanted to see Andy Samberg get shot, this is the movie to do it. But it's also really entertaining on a number of levels. Over on Netflix is Mank. I've already reviewed it on the Major Spoilers podcast. I tell you what, if this doesn't win an Academy Award, either in acting or or in cinematography or directing. It uh, will because Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. Oh man. <laughs> Mank is really, really good. Ashley. I really enjoyed this movie. I watched I, it. I have not stopped thinking about it since I, since I watched it and I've seen our uh, RKO uh, 1280 or whatever the, the previous movie was about this. There've been m many movies about the main uh, making of citizen Kane. And I just thought this was a, another great take on a story that a lot of people are not familiar with. So um, uh, more power to the people. And uh, I think Mank is probably my best movie of 2020. What about you, Ashley? What do you have? 
uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is an original Netflix movie, um, I think is really, really amazing. I learned a lot from this movie. Uh, there is an actor in it who I won't name, but I don't like. And I like, uh, his, I can say his because everyone in this movie is a man. Uh, I like <laughs> his performance in it a lot. Uh, Mark Rylance, who is one of the greatest actors of all time, is kicks it right out of the park. Yeah, yeah, Abdul-Mateen is amazing in this. But the reason you watch this movie is for Sasha Baron Cohen mm. playing Abby Hoffman, um, really iconic social activist who wrote Steal This Book. Uh, man, he runs away with this movie. And as someone who is not a Borat fan, uh, I think Sasha Baron Cohen is having quite a year from oh, yeah. a filmic point of view. Uh, I thought that movie uh, was really, really strong. What's another one that's the best of 2020? Uh, Invisible Man is really, really good. Yep. Um, I keep joking for a long too. time that Invisible, Mo- Invisible Moss, Elizabeth Moss is going to win uh, Best Actress for this movie. Uh, and then uh, Emma as well. I loved Emma. Did not get the credit it deserved for how clever and how beautiful it is. This one, yeah. this one popped up. Uh, the one that I'm that I'm listing next is one that popped up and it got lost in the COVID shuffle. It originally debuted at Sundance in 2018, though it didn't get its official theatrical release until, uh, like, it was supposed to get it in the spring of, of 2020. Uh, but then because of COVID, it didn't come out until, like, late 2020, and then it just kind of went right to uh, premium VODs. The Personal History of David Copperfield uh, is a fantastic retelling of the David Copperfield uh, uh, tale, but with a very different spin and a very different take, whereas... There may be a lot of positivity in the original David Copperfield uh, story. This one is uh, maybe a little bit sadder and a little bit more realistic. This has uh, Dev Patel as David Copperfield and Hugh Laurie as Mr. Dick and Tilda Swinton as uh, uh, Aunt Betsy. This, oh, Ashley, I think you would love this movie if you haven't seen it yet. I'm actually making notes about to check it out right now. It sounds amazing. It is I so love good. This is one of those things that... I saw the trailer for it. and I was like, oh, I really want to see this. And I poked around. And I was like, oh, it's finally out now on. Uh, I think I watched it on iTunes or whatever. And uh, I was like, before I watch this, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to play it. Because usually when I watch movies, my movies are not the movies that my wife likes. So occasionally I'll just go in where she's sitting down and I'll turn on the TV and I'll just start watching something. And I'll see how long does it take before she starts getting into it. And she was into it within probably 20 minutes of of the film starting. And nice. she just watched it all throughout. Um, I, I really think, Ashley, you would enjoy this as well. The personal history of David Copperfield. Go check that out. Uh, Matthew, do you have another one? I had The Invisible Man. Uh, oh, okay. Although I did see a one-star review of it on Amazon where someone was complaining that the man could totally be seen. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's nice. All right. Uh, any others? Um, I think the Kevin... Yeah, the movie that came out—it's Kevin Bacon in a horror house. You should have left. Oh yeah, yeah, you should have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that one did come out this year. That one is incredible. I really enjoyed that one. It is scary in ways that things should not be. Uh, I also have Onward on my list. The boys have watched this multiple times, and it's so great because it's a movie about brothers, and they are brothers. And I keep every time I see them watching it together, it's like, hmm, I wonder if there's some message that the two brothers uh, watching this movie could take from the two brothers in this film. And then they just roll their eyes and they continue to watch. Uh, I also have Soul on my list. Uh, the Gentleman, yes. the Gentleman, which is um, uh, what's his name, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Um, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. The it's Tree Sherlock Holmes. Yes, it is his most recent uh, <laughs> film that has um, all right, all right, all right in it. And it's good. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey in this. It's really good. I, I was really taken by it. 
uh, just because I was like, wait, uh, he's got another movie out and it's got Matthew McConaughey in it. Okay, Guy Ritchie, see if you can surprise me. And he does. And he does it quite well. Final one on my list, Lupin the Third, the First, which is an animated movie. It technically came out in 2019 in Japan. Didn't hit the United States until 2020, though. Uh, so that's why I'm putting it on my list. So there you go. Okay. Ashley, anything else on your movie list? Uh, not a ton because like nothing came out this year. I, I really liked, um, the craft legacy, but mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it's the most that. amazing movie that ever came out, but like, I think it is a worthy, worthy, uh, sequel to the first movie. And I, I thought it was very cute. And also Gretel and Hansel, which I swear if it had been an A24 movie, everyone would have followed themselves <laughs> all over to say how great it was. Alice Kriege murders it. That movie slaps. Yeah. Uh, there's another category in books, um, specifically books that came out in 2020. There's a favorite book that I read in 2020 that came out in like, uh, 2006 or something. The, that's uh, first 15 lies of Harry August, but, um, heaven's river, the next installment of the Baba verse books, and then peace talks and battlegrounds, which are the next two books in the, um, uh, you're a, uh, Harry, uh, Harry Dresden files, uh, series came out in 2020. Those were good. And then Tom Merritt's trigger, which is the follow-up to pilot X. Uh, I read this year and think that they're really good books that deserve a, a best listing category. Uh, Ashley, did you have any books this year that you, you dove into? Uh, the only uh, book that I read this year that was published this year was written by my friend. So uh, I tend not to not to put things that my friends worked on oh, in yeah. my list. But uh, mm -hmm. shout out to uh, Amina Safi and This Is All Your Fault. Uh, that book is really good. It's about a group of uh, one would think disaffected teens who work at an indie bookstore in Chicago. And when they learn that it is closing down, they get up to schemes to try and uh, save it. But I read a lot of books about... Um, uh, colonization and uh, race relations in America. So mm -hmm. I was like deep in, I read like all of James Baldwin this year uh, and I read The Color of the Law, which was like homework, but very worth it. Uh, and like the first thing I read in the pandemic was Battle Royale, which is excellent, oh, yeah. but might not be the vibe people are looking for. You might, year. if you enjoyed Battle Royale, there's a series I that did. dropped on I Netflix. Uh, there's a series that dropped on Netflix a couple of weeks ago called uh, Borderland. Oh, yeah, that's on my that's in my queue right now. Yeah, it will actually review the manga in which it's based on, I believe, in 2022. Um, Heck yes. Yeah. Uh, but the first season, I finished the first season uh, not too long ago. It's it's very feels very much like Battle Royale. Nice. So you might enjoy that. Uh, let's see. Uh, what was the name? I'm, I'm going to I'm trying to write down. What is the name of the book that you mentioned of your friend wrote? It is called This Is All Your Fault by Amina May Safi. I'm going to see if it is on the Audible. It is on the Audible. And I am making it yeah. a purchase. And uh, and I'm going to be listening to that. Um, it will be... It will be probably... I won't be able to start it this year, but it will be the first book that I will read in 2021. I only read 52 books in 2020 because of the pandemic. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I was right in the middle of uh, um, Chuck, uh, Chuck Windig's uh, Wanderers. Oh, very good. And unfortunately, right as soon as the pandemic hit hard in, in February, I was right at the part where the pandemic was breaking out in the book where everybody was turning into the walkers. And I just couldn't go any further because what he was describing in the book was exactly what was going on in the real world. So I had to take like a three month break from reading uh, just because I was so, oh, I don't think I can deal with this kind of stuff right now. And then I picked back up reading in... Uh, may i believe and then just kind of been going through about a book a week since then so 
There you go. Uh, so that is our best of 2020. What about you, dear listener? How about you send us an email, podcast at majorspoilers.com, and let us know what you thought the best of 2020 uh, brought to you. Or maybe you want to just head into our Discord and share in the uh, Major Spoilers podcast uh, channel with everyone else what you thought the best of 2020 was about. And uh, unfortunately, this is the last podcast uh, for the Major Spoilers podcast in 2020. You're going to have to wait until we come back in 2021 to see what we got in store for you next. So that wraps it up for this issue and this year. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. We love your feedback, especially as the year from H-E Double Hockey Sticks comes to a close. So use the comments section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to this and every episode. Or even better, you can send us an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. We'll be back next week when we hear 2021 say, hold my beer. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Star Raven, it's like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine being in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.